You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Let's take our Bible and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning. Again, I mentioned earlier that I'm going to be preaching this morning on seven disciplines of a godly life. First and Second Peter are two of my most favorite epistles, uh, just full of words of encouragement to us concerning our spiritual walk and relationship with the Lord. I'll begin with verse 1. Let me see, I'll read down through verse 11. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Notice that word, godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience, and there's that word again, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, Charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall." For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see that word godliness a couple times there in that passage of Scripture. And throughout the Word of God, you will find that word appear over and over and over again. For example, Psalms 4 verse 3 says this, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly. So God has a, a special relationship to those who pursue godliness in their life. For himself, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Psalm 32 and verse 6, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8, bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3 
and verse 12, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So one thing we see from that verse is that there is real pressure put on those who determine to live godly in this life not to do so. So I have a question for you. And the question is this, what is godliness? What is it? Although we hear that word over and over and over again as we read through the scriptures, I believe that most of us would be hard-pressed to give a quick and precise and easy definition as to what godliness is. If, if we had everyone here in the church house today and I gave everyone an opportunity to define in their mind what godliness is, we would have a whole host of different ideas as to what it means to be godly. I came across some of these definitions. I'll share them with you just briefly. Conforming to the laws wishes and will of God. I thought that was a good definition of godliness. Another, living a fruitful, obedient Christian life. Another, the quality or state of being morally pure or virtuous. Another one, a godly life is one that is no longer seeking a sinful lifestyle, but is now surrendered to God and his will. And perhaps the best definition of godliness is Christ-likeness. So there are different ways for us to define what godliness is. I want you this morning to really define that in your own mind and your own heart. I was reading an article this week and the article was entitled, Godliness, a Forgotten Virtue. Godliness, a forgotten virtue. And I quote just a portion of this article. It says, the word godliness comes from the Greek word, which meant originally to step back from. Interesting. Godliness meant to step back from someone or something. It, it meant to maintain a distance. If you joined us on Monday of last week, when we were having our morning devotional time, we talked about the social distancing and the washing of our hands and being careful about not touching our face or touching other things in order that we could avoid being infected by this coronavirus. And we made a spiritual application to that that was uh, brought to me by Brother Pierce when he, he sent me a text and said that he was studying the word separation. And then he said this, that God has always encouraged social distancing. Yesterday, I went to Menards. I had to pick up a few items for our new home. And when I went there, I couldn't believe the number of people uh, that were in Menards. It was, it was packed, people getting caught up on all their uh, to-do list, I guess. And as I walked into the uh, door, uh, right behind me came a couple, and they had a young child. I would say he was probably five or six years old. And immediately, one of the workers there in Menards, I'd never seen her before. I'm, I'm at Menards so much, I kind of know who people are. It looks like they've hired a lot of new workers lately. And, and she ran up to this couple and said, didn't you read the sign outside? You have to take him out of this store right now. 
and she was so rude, it was so offensive to me, I really should have probably said something about it, but I didn't. And this couple just kind of stood in shock, like, what's wrong with having our child here in the home, or here in the store? And it, there was, outside there was a sign. I didn't notice it either, but it was sitting right there in front of the store saying anyone 16 years of age or younger was not allowed to come into the store because of this coronavirus. I don't know what age has to do with it or why they made that decision not to allow children to come into the home. But one thing I noticed yesterday is everyone is now practicing this social distancing, the the message has gotten out. People were avoiding each other. Even though there was a number of people in the store, when people were standing in line, everyone was giving the six feet distance or more. I saw more people wearing masks yesterday than, than I've ever seen uh, since this uh, whole pandemic came. There was one man that was there, and he had the full face mask on with the canisters on the side. <laughs> kind of looked like he was from outer space. You know, so uh, people are practicing this. Why? Because they don't want to be infected with this virus. You know, I really think that we should be more concerned about being affected by worldliness than we are about being infected by this virus. Just, just, just think how strong the church would be spiritually if we would practice some social distancing from this world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship, closeness, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, what communion hath light with darkness, there isn't any, what concord or agreement or harmony hath Christ with Belial or with the devil, or what part hath the believer with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Because of this, then he says this, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. Practice some distancing yourself from the world, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. If I'm clean and I touch something unclean, what happens? That thing does not become clean. I become unclean. Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Why? Because he is a holy God. It will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. Ezra, in Ezra chapter 6 and verse 21, as they came out of captivity, it says this, And all such as had separated themselves from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of Israel. There really, stop and think about this, there really cannot be a seeking of the Lord in our lives until we say, I need to distance myself from the filthiness of the heathen that are in this world. So social distancing has always been something that God has spoken about in his word from the old on into the New Testament. I am in the process of selling our home. And tomorrow we've had several different inspections. Everything has passed, everything has gone well. 
and tomorrow an appraisal will be done on our home. And so we cannot be in our home from 12 to 12.30. We had to sign a paper stating that no one in our home has been sick with the virus. We have to turn on, think, think of this, we have to turn on all of the lights in our home. We have to open all of the doors. Every door in our home needs to be open as the one who's doing the appraisal comes through so they don't have to touch anything. So they don't have to touch the doorknobs. They don't have to touch the light switches. They can just walk into the house and not touch anything. So we have this whole thing, keep your distance from one another so that you're not infected and make sure you wash your hands and that you don't touch anything that is unclean. Think of the extremes, the extremes that we are now presently going through to try to protect ourselves from this virus. Does the Bible say anything about keeping your hands clean? Psalm 24, verse 3 through verse 4, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. James 4, 8, Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Let's keep our hands clean. Social distancing, make sure to wash your hands and not touch something that is unclean. As I thought about this in that devotional that we brought last Monday, I thought about how many we have lost over the years simply because they have not practiced distancing themselves from the world or keeping their hands clean. It's really a sad thing because carnality can infect every one of us here. If we do not develop the godly disciplines that I am going to bring to you here in just, just a moment, we will be very susceptible to being infected by this world and the philosophies of this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Why? Because it pushes out of our hearts the love that we should have solely for our Lord. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, And brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even babes in Christ. Because the Corinthian church did not practice distancing themselves from the world, because they were not keeping their hands clean, and they were touching all of the unclean things that were in the world, they were labeled as carnal. They had become infected. But as unto carnal, even babes in Christ. I begin to think of, of children. Children don't concern themselves with distancing from others. Children don't concern themselves about washing their hands. Uh, they'll put just about anything and everything into their mouth, won't they? We have to be so careful to watch over our children when they're little about the things that they put into their mouth. We need to be so careful, so very careful as believers living in this filthy world 
that we keep a distance. I'm not, I'm not talking about isolation. Separation is not isolation. But as Jesus prayed that we would be kept from the evil that is in this world, we need to keep ourselves. I don't think there's any higher compliment that could be given to any Christian than that they are a godly person. There's one thing I want to be noted for. It's the fact that I desire to live a godly life. So that brings me to another question. First I ask you, what is godliness? And now I want to ask you another question. How is godliness achieved? Well, as believers, we are, we are called upon by God to live a sanctified life. Godliness is directly tied with separation, sanctification, and holiness. Those three great doctrinal truths of Scripture. Let's talk about separation just for a little bit now. We mentioned it earlier. Let's talk about it. Touch not the unclean thing. The Bible said, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine, listen to that, the doctrine which is according to godliness. Biblical doctrine, when applied, leads to godliness in life. He is proud, knowing nothing, doting about questions and strife of words, Whereth cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmising, perverse disputings, men of corrupt mind, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Listen to what he says from such withdraw thyself, distance yourself from those type of individuals. Solomon said, My son, when sinners entice thee, consent thou not, walk thou not in the way with them, refrain. Thy foot from their path. Distance yourself. That is what the word godliness means in the original language. If you get too close to this world, you will be infected by it. And it will lead you into carnality. So we have that doctrine of separation that is tied to godliness. We also have the doctrine of sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 1 through verse 8. Furthermore, then we beseech you, Paul is begging. I know his heart here. Sometimes I feel like as a pastor, I'm just begging you as my people to, to live godly. He said, I beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, our goal in life, to please God, so we would abound yet more and more. For ye know what commandment I gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is, this is the will of... You ever wonder what the will of God is? What is the will of God? This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fleshly... Uh, excuse me, you should abstain from fornication or sexual immorality. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel or his body in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence or a, a stronger than normal sexual desire. We see that all around us today in this filthy world. Even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. 
as we have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not men, but God, was also given us his holy spirit. So what is God seeking to do in our life? He's seeking to produce this separation and this sanctification. Remember when Jesus prayed for his disciples and all those who would become disciples based upon their preaching of the gospel. He said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. Set them apart. So we have separation, we have sanctification, and then we have holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a very familiar couple of verses. Everyone listening to me right now uh, probably is aware of these verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's the next word? Holy. Separation, sanctification, holiness. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable for the Lord to call us to live a holy life. Second Corinthians 6. Verse 19 through chapter 7 and verse 1. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and not your own, for ye have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify, glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness filthiness of the flesh and spirit here we go perfecting holiness in the fear of god so separation sanctification holiness is all directly tied to this doctrine of godliness someone said a sanctified life is a life that seeks to separate itself from sin and be fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through verse 14. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out. He does say work for your salvation. We can't work for our salvation. That work was done by Christ. But he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what is God's good pleasure for us? This is clear that we should live to the praise of his glory. We cannot live to the praise of his glory until we are really pursuing that godly life that he has called us to, which means separation, sanctification, and holiness. So that brings me to really the point of my message here today is the seven disciplines of a godly life. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these. You'll want to jot these down, maybe put them in the flyleaf of your Bible that you can come back to them. Uh, 
but I'm not going to preach long on each one of these points, I promise you. But number one, if we are going to develop a godly life and we're going to pursue godly living, number one, it requires the development of a prayer life. We have to become men and women of prayer. Prayer promotes godliness. And perhaps this is one of the most difficult disciplines for any of us to develop in our lives is a prayer life. Satan just, for some reason, he just really, really opposes us developing this discipline. It could be Isaiah chapter 58 uh, tells us that his power and authority is literally weakened when we pray. So I'm sure that's why he opposes us so greatly in this area. But Jesus gave us an example, right, that we should follow in his steps. Mark 1.35, we could throw in a lot of verses here uh, concerning our Lord and the priority that he placed on prayer. It says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Rising up a great while before the sun rose, he went out into a solitary place and prayed. We are going to develop a godly life, we have to develop our prayer life. Number two, along with our prayer life, we need a development of faith. The Bible tells us walk by faith and and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Do you believe that he is God? If you do, then why do we struggle so much in the area of faith? I heard this quote, a godly life is one that steps beyond worry into trust. There's a lot of things right now in this world that could cause you to worry, especially those of you who have lost your jobs or you're laid off and you're worried about what the future holds. I had a devotional on Friday. No one knows the future. The only one that knows the future is God. And so we really don't know what lies out there before us. We know that death lies out there. We, we know that's our future. We have some of the promises of Scripture that tell us what the future holds for the believer in Christ. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't. But I know who holds tomorrow. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. When was the last time you asked the Lord to increase your faith? Where you said, okay, I need as hard as it is, I need to develop a daily prayer life and I, I need to start walking by faith. Do you know faith grows? Jesus said it grows like a grain of a mustard seed. And so what we need to do is say, okay, I'm going to start right now trusting the Lord in this area. See, faith, faith comes in two ways. There's voluntary faith where we say, okay, I'm going to start trusting the Lord. Then there's what I call forced faith. It's when, you have, it's when you have to trust him. Uh, you can see Mike sitting down here in the front row. Mike, I remember when you lost your job years ago and how long you went without a job. That's what you call forced faith. 
four years. Mike didn't want, you didn't want to do that, but you were forced. I have to trust the Lord. You know what? That's not a bad thing. And right now, some of us are being forced that we are having to trust the Lord, that that faith produces godliness. Prayer produces godliness. The development of faith produces godliness. Number three is the development of meditation on God's word. To have that as a daily discipline to meditate on the word of God. Now meditation, it keeps us very alert and keeps us sensitive to whatever God wants to do in our lives. It's absolutely vitally important. There's seldom a message that I will preach that I have not just meditated on that throughout the week and had that. My dad used to always say this, a message prepared in the heart touches the heart. A message prepared in the mind will only touch a mind. I'm not here to touch minds. I can't do that anyway, but I want to touch your heart. And so that's something that has to be in my heart. And, and the way that that happens is through the meditation of Scripture. That's why it's absolutely essential. We stress this over and over again, that we set aside time to be alone with the Lord. The solitary place. The closet. Shut the door. Get into the Word and then begin to meditate on Scripture. There's not a person who's listening to this message this morning that doesn't want to be prosperous and successful. If, if I told you, if you do this one thing, God promises you prosperity and success, would you do it? You know, we have the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preachers, but they never preach on the thing that God says will produce prosperity and good success. Right now, probably many of you already know what that is this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night now stop right here meditation is not what the new agers are doing it's not what the people who are involved in yoga are doing you stay away from both of those things it's not sitting and just opening your mind to whatever spirit comes into it that i'm telling you that is so dangerous to do that the bible tells us that we're to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ. We're not to open our minds and let Satan fill it with all kinds of deception and lies. But we meditate on Scripture. That thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. We meditate on the Word of God and then we ask God, God, help me to obey everything that I'm meditating on here for then meditation, obedience, then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt find good success. The book of Psalms begins with, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God promises prosperity to those who develop a life of meditation. This was David's daily practice. And I found 28 times in the book of Psalms where David said that he meditated on Scripture. 
both in the morning and in the evening. So we have the development of a prayer life, the development of faith, the development of meditation, and then we have the development of obedience. I just, just mentioned that. We observe to do according to all that is written therein after we have meditated on Scripture. One man said this, we walk on a higher level than the world when we live in obedience to God. It's not a matter of looking down on others, but choosing to live by God's standards rather than following the world's lifestyle. Here's a verse I told you earlier as we were listening to the boys sing that special. John 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Oh, how I love Jesus. We sang that song together today. Do we love him? Jesus said, if you'll love me, you'll obey me. You'll keep my commandments. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will... Amazing. I will manifest myself to him. John 14, 21. So in an amazing way, God has... He loves us all, but he has a special love relationship to those who walk in obedience to him. He manifests himself. He draws close to those who walk in obedience to him. I've had the privilege of, of raising uh, 10 children. And one thing that I have found in the raising of my children is I'm closer to those who honor and obey me than I am those who rebel against me. And so it is true with our Heavenly Father. You want a relationship with Him? You want Him to manifest Himself to you? We'll start walking in obedience. Second Corinthians 10.6 And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Obey God and leave the... Leave the consequences up to him. He'll take care of it. Number five is the development of a spirit-filled life. How many times have we preached on the spirit-filled life? Every believer in, in Christ is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> but not every believer in Christ is filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, words in excess, but be filled with the Spirit that's that's written in a continuous action. Continually keep on being filled with the Spirit. I quote again, the filling of the Holy Spirit means to live in obedience to Christ, relying on Him to equip us, empower us, strengthen us, teach us, and guide us each and every day. Only as we depend on the Spirit will we be and do all that God desires of us. So many times I've brought this teaching to you about being spirit-filled and some of the things that are required for us to be a spirit-filled Christian. And I'm just going to rattle these off real quick. I can get these to you and, and maybe you can go back online and, and listen again and kind of hit the pause button and write these down. But yield your personal rights to the Lord. Renew your mind daily. 
Live a holy life. Make no provision for the flesh. Flee temptation. Resist Satan by just continually submitting to God. Keep your thoughts centered on things which are above. Set, <clears throat> excuse me. Confess and repent of sin. Keep your conscience clear. Don't give place to the devil. Confront Satan's deceptions with the truth of Scripture. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God. Avoid quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. And then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Live a Spirit-filled life. Develop that as a discipline in your life. I'm going to be a Spirit-filled Christian. Number six is the development of a servant spirit. Servant spirit really is, a, is one who is looking for opportunities to serve God and others and not serve themselves. I don't know if you remember, but the disciples were caught up in a, quite an argument with each other. And the argument was, uh, who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Listen to Jesus' response. This is Mark chapter 9. And he sat down and called the twelve. He said, guys, stop your arguing. Get over here and sit down. Kind of remind me of sometimes I'd have that with my children. Kids, in the living room right now with dad. And he sat down, he called the twelve, and he saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be least of all and the servant of all. I can imagine how that shut down that argument right now. They were looking to be served instead of looking for opportunities to serve. The development of a servant's spirit. Ask yourself the question, how can I serve someone today? I mean, every day. As Monday rolls around, how can I serve someone today? Tuesday, how can I serve someone today? Instead of waking up and seeing, well, how can someone serve me? Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man upon his own things, but upon the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. So let's develop a servant's spirit. And then number seven, and we'll close the message. I think this is so important, the development of a forgiving heart. The development of a forgiving heart. Forgiveness isn't easy. Some people have hurt us deeply. But it's what the Lord commanded us to do. We will never, ever, ever, ever develop godliness in our life until we purpose to forgive. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Why do you speak evil about someone? Because you're bitter toward them. You haven't forgiven them. 
Let it be put away from you with all malice that desire to get even. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Listen, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If you do not forgive, <coughs> what a bitterness will spring up in you and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Simple, right? But very difficult. So, what changes right now as we draw to that invitation moment that, that I'm asking you to stop and ponder over what you've just heard and how it applies to your own life? What changes do you need to make in your life to develop these seven godly disciplines? Prayer, faith, meditation, obedience, spirit-filling, servant spirit, and a forgiving heart. Are you living a godly life? Are these disciplines developed in your life? If not, let's purpose today that with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit that we will live a godly life. As we close, if you're listening to the live stream today, and obviously the message has been directed toward believers, but if you're <clears throat> listening today and you're an unbeliever, you have never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't even begin to live a godly life until God lives within. You need to invite Christ to come into your heart. If you would just Repent of your sin. And by faith, and maybe you can even sense the Holy Spirit working faith right now in your heart. If you by faith would call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you would be saved. Those of you who are believers, would you be praying right now as we close this service for those who are hearing this message that they would open their hearts to Jesus. Maybe for those of us who are believers, but our heart has become somewhat ardent, we're not pursuing the very thing for which Christ saved us, that we would live to the praise of his glory, that our hearts would be tender this morning, and that we would repent. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.